Welcome to the I Belong Here podcast. Please join us on this journey as we will navigate the world meeting fantastic women who are real scientific role models. Together, we wish to inspire the next generation of girls who dream about being scientists. Look out for our male ambassadors too, as they do believe in the representation women deserve and earn in science. Stay tuned for amazing guests, check out the podcast description for credits and acknowledgements, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with our latest episodes. And she said, don't you change, but I can't help these thoughts up in my brain, yeah. She breaking me down. Welcome to a new episode of the I Belong Here podcast. Today I have a really nice and adorable <laughs> guest with me. Her name is Bria. Hey, Bria. Hi guys. Hi Nolia. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so excited to meet you and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, so I have followed Bria on Twitter for a while now uh, and we follow each other's work. Uh, she's amazing. She's, uh, you know, kicking asses at what she does. Uh, so it's going to be really great. I'm really excited for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for a month now. So I'm really excited. <laughs> Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure it's going to be so exciting. Um, so I want to let the audience know a bit more about you before we start our uh, conversation and the episode in general. So Bria is a second year PhD student at the University of Delaware in the organic division. She earned her bachelor's in chemistry at the Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. So this sounds really cool. And uh, I just have like a first question just to, you know, on the spot for you. So you are like organic chemist or similar? Yeah, so I'm an, an organic chemist by training. And then we usually do a lot of catalysis in my group as well. So we mm. do have a little bit of a mix of like inorganic here and there. Wow, totally respect, uh, honestly, for what you do. Uh, if you and the audience have listened to the first episode of this podcast, which was my own interview, I worked in an organic chemistry lab for six months. And if someone from that lab, which they work with me, is listening to me now, they are probably bursting into tears because those six months, honestly, that that was so stressful. Like, totally respect to my organic chemistry peers, honestly. That, I made peptides. Um, by solid phase peptide synthesis and my peptides were quite short uh, so peptides uh, for those of the audience who don't know they are like little pieces of proteins and i made little ones they had like maybe five or six amino acids it was not a huge deal okay but i did my peptides it took me like two to three months to do the full the full process you know doing the peptide protecting it deprotecting it uh, analyzing the purity a couple of more reactions And then after like, all those three months of work, I lost my product. <laughs> oh, no. It was one of the worst days of my life. And honestly, <laughs> that was in my first six months at the university that I'm working right now in the UK. And I didn't know that much people back then because it was my first two to three months of work. After that, everyone in the department knew me by the girl who was crying. <laughs> She lost her peptides. <laughs> It was no, awful. I would have cried too. 
Honestly, I lost them in a centrifuge. Uh, it was a vacuum oh. centrifuge. Um, so I think the vacuum went wrong or something. And then my product fly over the centrifuge instead of staying on my vessel. Look, a full drama, a full drama. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. A similar thing happened to me. It was one of my internships in undergrad and I was doing, I was growing fungi. And yeah. I had grown them like on like little coffee sheets and I yeah. put them in the hood. And I closed the doors and of course, you know, the vacuum in the hood and the yeah. air, at least half of them went into the hood and I, I could know. not take them back. And this was like a full like six week program. I, I was almost Damn. done with my poster. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? <laughs> I didn't cry, but I wanted to. Honestly, if it, I will not judge you. I cry in the lab many, many days for losing my peptides. You know, everyone, you know, my lab was full and it's full. That lab is still full of brilliant organic chemists. They are, you know, rocking in their fields. They do products, they do compounds, everything on a weekly basis. And they were looking at me, you know, oh, this poor lady, she's just crying because she lost for the first time her product. And then I know, welcome to the organic chemistry world, honestly. <laughs> See, I love organic chemistry. I fell in love with it my sophomore year of undergrad because it was mm. just like that that different class. Like I had to adopt a whole new different way of thinking, which I loved. But as for like the biological portion where it interfaces, yes, I, I hate I hate biology. <laughs> I <laughs> it like kills me to say, but I I can't stand it. Like as soon as someone tells me about like a protein or a peptide, I'm I kind of check out just a little bit. Disconnect. <laughs> Uh, I was never like good because I feel like biology is more memorization mm -hmm. I was never like deep into like let's memorize this I'd rather do like application like exactly. I've seen this work one way how else does it work in another way yeah. I feel but kudos to anyone who does protein <laughs> peptide biology like anything well I'm a biologist so I I understand what you tell me you know because when my colleagues tell me about their I don't know drug synthesis or product synthesis I'm like yeah all right sounds, sounds cool but yeah I don't I don't understand anything that you are telling to me I prefer to stick to my cells and my field but I guess that's science right each of us have yeah. a different compartment if that makes sense and then we evolve from there <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful thing at the end of the day it is uh so I'm curious to know what do you do in the lab like what what specifically do you do now in your in your PhD or your research group yeah, so it's really cool. A big focus in my group is to take unactivated amines, activate them and use them in cross-coupling reactions. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool. We can do a lot of different things and make a lot of different bonds. Me, specifically, what I do is I take an, activated, an unactivated amine and then I'll condensate it with perylium tetrafluoroborate. So then mm -hmm. the resulting pyridinium salt is what we use. Mm -hmm. So my pyridinium salt substrates have alkene functionalizations on them. Mm. So as we go through the catalytic cycle using nickel catalysis, there's an intramolecular cyclization of the molecule with the alkene and then the coupling with the aryl or alkyl halide. So I make two bonds instead of one, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that's my project. That's the main project I have. Other projects I have involve coupling of the pyridinium salts with aryl chlorides. Usually I'll use aryl bromides. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Well, it, honestly, it sounds like a completely new language to me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds super interesting, though. So what, what do you use your, your products for? Do they have like a specific application or is something that it's open and it can be used for many different, I don't know, like a target or, or something? 
So for me right now, I don't have like a specific application for my molecules that I make. However, they are really complex. So a lot of like prior art and what other people I've seen have been doing is trying to use them to make very complicated target molecules, usually mm. for anti-tumor ligands or receptors, things like that. So there is a wide possibility of what you can use them for. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you basically, what you are trying to do in your in your PhD and with these side projects that you were mentioning is kind of like tackling that process uh part of the of the whole synthesis right because this is something that happens a lot in organic chemistry labs as well um obviously when i was working in this lab i talked to my to my mates and see what they were doing in their projects and i remember one guy was doing his phd like three to four years of work only in developing a reaction because it was so complicated to do in the literature that his phd was dedicated solely to to synthesize that and i remember our group meetings um like, I, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes of his presentation was entirely dedicated to two steps of the reaction. And he will be like, yeah, next week I'm going to step three and four. And I was just looking at that like, oh my God, like it's, it, it's <laughs> fascinates me. I respect, again, respect, kudos to organic chemistry mates. Uh, so like I said, your project is more like in focusing in that part of the process, right? Yeah, so it's more so um, just making sure that the process can work with a pyridinium salt electrophile mm. instead of a usual alkyl halide electrophile. Mm. Wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. So now you are in your second year of GSD, right? Yep. And um, you are on the on the state, right? So how long do you have left of your GSD? So I have about I say three and a half years left. Okay. So I haven't. I haven't done my candidacy exam yet. So mm-hmm. we ended up getting, making a, a fortunate situation out of an unfortunate situation. We yeah. got an extension with uh, COVID happening since oh, we yes. all couldn't get into the lab. So of course. we do have a little bit of borrowed time, but I do want to try to do it this year. I have until next year though. So mm. I'm in a good spot right now. Okay, that's great. Um, so where is this... Um... Uh, maybe obsession is not the correct word to use, but where is this fascination for organic history, organic chemistry coming from? Uh, could you tell us a bit more about your journey? You know, you, you said like you were passionate about it in your sophomore year, but um, where is this coming from? You know, from, I don't know, high school, uh, first years of graduate school uh, or in your bachelor's. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about your your journey until the position you are right now? Yeah, so it really all started in high school. Mm. My sophomore year of high school was my very first chemistry class ever. (laughs) And I remember my professor, his name was Dr. Coleman, and he was just so excited when he was teaching us. Mm. So I kind of picked up off of that. But also another part was I was really good at it naturally. Yeah, that's great. Getting good grades on tests. And I kind of like, like the fact that everyone else hated the course, but I loved it. (laughs) Which is all, which is what I hear now. Everyone's like, oh, I hate chemistry. I hate chemistry. And I'm like, well, why? Like, it's why? So, like, <laughs> oh. so I just kind of, I loved that. I love that there were so many different things I could learn in chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then when I went on to, um, when I went on to undergrad, I knew I wanted to study chemistry. Mm. I didn't really know what specific field. I just knew it was chemistry. So mm-hmm. as I was going in, I was taking more classes like biochemistry, general chemistry and then organic chemistry came. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was like, whoa, what is this? Like we're talking about radicals and like orbitals and all that stuff. And I was like, whoa, this I can get used to. I can do this. <laughs> I loved it. And I just loved like with synthesis questions, I thought it was like puzzle pieces. Like how yes. do I get one molecule to get to another one? Like I can do it this many ways. Like it was just, it was just great. I loved how you, there was more than one answer to a question mm -hmm. and it was just, oh, it was amazing. I ended up TAing for oh. chemistry in undergrad. And I just, I like that too. Like me teaching it versus me taking it. I just learned more things about it as I was teaching other people. Exactly. And when they ended up getting it and started liking it, I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I found my home. Like, Yay. <laughs> so I just, organic was just, it's just something that like really spoke to me other than the other fields. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, it makes a difference, right? When you have a teacher that uh, it's kind of like the first spark that systemic into you you know I had the same experience with my biology biology teacher in my school she was so passionate about biology and the cells and everything and it's just got into me like the, what, what you said and then even from from high school I was already thinking about a uh, biologic um, career that makes sense so it just takes that bit right and that's the a big importance of, of how teachers or lectures in our uh, higher academic career that can make that difference on on us, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a really good thing, especially like it's one thing to just hear knowledge and be like, okay, I'll study this for the test. But when someone's like passionate about it and they're like, hey, this is really cool, like look at this, it just makes it so much more a better experience. Exactly. Otherwise, I think it's just you kind of um, stick in the subjects and then, like you said, you do the exam and kind of, it, it sounds sad, but you forget about it, right? Yeah. So it makes a lot of difference that you have that teacher that does not make you forget about that class or that subject because that can shape uh, your entire career, really. Mm -hmm. I'm like having flashbacks to high school right oh. now, like sitting in the <laughs> class, like <laughs> my little blue notebook. Oh, yes. Shout out to all, all of those teachers at high school level that made us our, you know, stemming our passion. Uh, and then we are still on it, you know, uh, grad school, everything and whatever the future holds. And yes, yeah, speaking about the academic career. So like you said, you are currently a second year PhD student. Uh, you still have a bit to go. I think on the States, the PhDs are a bit longer than in other countries. For example, the country that I am, uh, that I did my PhD, which is UK. So what do you think you will do after? Are you interested in teaching or maybe like uh, lab-based research, uh, postdocs, what do you think? Uh, or what's, what's in your mind right now? Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of everything in my mind right okay. now. Um, <laughs> definitely going into graduate school, I knew that afterwards I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. Whether I'd be just a professor or have my own research group, I'm kind of in between. But then at the same time, I love to do like bench research so like, mm. I love to like work at the bench so I was honestly thinking of maybe I should go into industry <laughs> just for a little bit you know I can maybe teach after yes and I also had like another thing of like maybe I should go get my juris doctor and work in patent law you know like <laughs> I, well, I have so many options but I think regardless I'm probably going to end up teaching okay well, that's also the beauty of a PhD in my opinion you know like you have these years not only of academic growth and, and experimental growth, if that makes sense, but it's also your own growth. And you mm -hmm. get this massive opportunity 
in the space of three, four, five years time of your PhD duration, that then you decide and then you realize what you want to do after, right? I think it's key as well. I was talking about this um, in our first, uh, the first interview with this podcast with uh, my friend Bera. Uh, it's really important to, to do something that you love, you know, and, and then you will feel that you have your place. And then I think that's the way to, to succeed. Um, so it's great that you have, you know, all these options in front of you, because then I will, I, I will say you are more uh, prone to, to choose the one that you actually want to do, uh, because you have a clear view of the options that are in front of you, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I remember I was listening to that episode the other day. Yeah. And she was talking about industry and her experience versus mm. academia. And I was like, oh, I can totally <laughs> see where she's coming from. Like, I'm still trying to decide. Yes. It, to be honest, it's it's never too late. And, and what I say to her applies to also grad students uh, just because you do a PhD it doesn't mean that your career is fully designed I'll say that PhD opens a lot of doors and to be honest it was one of the best experience I've, I've done in my life and one of the best decisions I've done is my PhD it get it, it bring me so much growth um, and so much you know eagerness to keep learning um, but it's really important to to continue the path that you think you want to follow and to explore. It doesn't matter after your PhD, you take a couple of years to explore. For example, Vera did this a couple of years postdoc before going into the industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think to be honest, you will be an excellent teacher because your passion is coming across just by talking with you. And I think the same way that you know your teacher in organic chemistry or chemistry put that spark on you, I think it will be like the full circle you know like you inspire that oh, in your yeah. students <laughs> that is like my dream to like bring it like full circle and like inspire other people to like get into chemistry or even stem in general if I exactly. can do that I think I've done my job exactly I think it's really important you know because you you are carrying this with you throughout your career from from your teachers and then you pass that on you know on, on your students I love teaching as well and it's gonna I at least I want it to be a big part of my career because I also want to inspire you know the next the next generations um, and that's other of the missions of of this podcast you know to to spark that on on people with with the experiences of amazing women like you that I interview you know I'm like blushing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, now we are a bit more clear, you know, on what you did um, throughout your career, what you are doing now in the lab, and where do you want to head after on uh, after after all. So this is an amazing uh, journey, and uh, uh, honestly, shout out to everything that you are doing because I think you are you are rocking on it, and just because this passion is coming across you know this is our first serious let's say serious with commas uh serious chats that we are <laughs> having and your your passion is coming across so i'm really interested as well to know what do you think about your journey uh did you experience any challenges did you have any role models to help you um or what 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 kind of things you were thinking that like for example oh I'm going through this challenge or I'm going through this bump in my career but I'm gonna take all this learning and I'm gonna pass that on whenever I have the opportunity to teach others yeah um super good question so 
I think that like the most of the challenges that I faced were my first year of graduate school, mm-hmm. especially my first semester. So just a little bit of background, uh, Lincoln University is the first historically black college university in the United States. Mm. So it's predominantly people of color. So mm-hmm. it's just, it was really comfortable for me because everyone looks like me, everyone loves science, you know, yes. stuff like that. I had a really strong like group of people who loved science and wanted to do more. And so coming to the University of Delaware, it's a little different. Okay. <laughs> it's one, it's a bigger school. So a huge influx of people. Lincoln's very small. And then the people's also a little bit different. So it's maybe, I think maybe 10% people of color. Okay. So in, uh, maybe like 15, including international students. So that was a little bit of a culture shock for me because yeah. I was a little like, oh, where is everybody? Yes, I, I can <laughs> so imagine, I yeah. There, I was like, whoa, what? And then especially like, you know, higher up in science, representation of like women and people of color isn't as much as you'd think. Unfortunately, yes, yeah. Yeah, I kind of had this little bit of feeling out of the loop Mm -hmm. with science a little bit. But, you know, like, it's something I love. So, of course, like, I'm not going to leave it. So, you know, you stick through that. And then it was also, I felt like I had to do a little bit of catch up as classes started with, like, things I might have not have gotten exposed to in undergrad, new things that I was learning as I was taking the classes. So it was like a lot of work. The mm-hmm. first, honestly, the first two months, I kind of went into overdrive. I was mm-hmm. studying 24-7. I was trying to get all the things done. And it was, whoo, it was a lot. So yes. I ended up, I ended up not, I ended up forming one, a lot of bad habits. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> trying to get all of the work done. <laughs> and then I also ended up forming the sense of imposter syndrome. Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Am I like, am I supposed to be here? Like things like that. Cause I felt really underprepared in yeah. comparison to all my other classmates. Cause from my eyes, it seemed like they were just kind of skating through. Yes. And I'm just like hurrying, trying to write everything down <laughs> and just trying to soak up everything and be a sponge. So that was a little difficult to work through, but I had ended up, which I took as a win. I ended up <laughs> only getting like one C that first semester. Oh, well, so amazing. I was like, every, yeah, everything else was great. All my other classes were great. So I was like, you know what? Oh, I did it. Great. Like, but what I didn't realize was all the bad habits got mm-hmm. me there, but those should have been corrected in the first semester. Mm-hmm. So going into the second semester, they were not corrected. I thought, hey, I did A, B, and C first semester. It should work the second semester, right? Like mm-hmm. I should, you know, I should just get by. So second semester was a whirlwind. The <laughs> class I got a C in, <laughs> there's a second, there's a second part to it. So it just built off of the first part. So I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to push through it. And the teacher that I had, he was like, he was pretty okay first semester, second semester, he threw down the hammer. It was like a whole new (laughs) He was so hard on us. So I felt like pressures from the first semester, you know, try to keep going, trying to keep up with everybody else. And then also new pressures of trying to learn all this new material. Mm -hmm. So I, I used to like, if I got something I'd be like, oh man, why didn't I know that? And then try to study it and make sure I got it right. So it was just a lot of unnecessary pressure I was putting on myself. Yes. And I didn't realize how bad it was getting until, you know, like it's a little too late. Right. So the semester is almost over and I am exhausted. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am exhausted. I would work 24 seven. So, you know, like 
cooking a meal takes too much time, right? I got to study. Yeah. You know, like going out to eat takes too much time. You know, like I wasn't drinking enough water and like, you know, you can't tell, but like, I am not (laughs) the type of person that can afford to lose any weight. So so I was not eating healthy or eating anything I was supposed to. Hmm. So I did lose a little bit of weight. I got it back now. I look yeah. good now. It's fun. You are flawless, <laughs> to be honest, with whatever weight you put on or lose. <laughs> yeah. So I was making so many unhealthy decisions. And I remember it got to a point where I was trying to study because I had a presentation and I was like, whoo, I was all in my head for presentations. <laughs> so I was freaking out. I was trying to study. And I was like, oh my gosh, why is my heart beating so fast? And my resting heart rate was like 90 beats per minute. Oh, Lord. So I was like, you know what? I need to like get my life together. I need to take a step back. So honestly, making light of an unfortunate situation, Mm -hmm. COVID happened my second semester, my first year. Yeah. So I was, I live alone. I have roommates, but my family's in Maryland. So Mm -hmm. in Delaware, I just live alone. So I decided to go back home to finish the semester instead of just being cooped up in my apartment. Yeah. Was the best decision I probably ever made because <laughs> I was able to finish the semester but relax a little bit because I was around, you know, people I love that support mm-hmm. me. And also, I was able to like step back and look at all the bad habits that I had formed mm-hmm. and think of possible solutions the mm-hmm. next time I go back to school. So it got better. And then I also took the time to realize that I kind of have to demand my experience and okay. how like how it'll shape me. So I ended up talking to my professor, the really hard one. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I was so scared. I was like, oh, what is he going to say? What am I going to say? Am I going to (laughs) cry? So I almost cried. I cried after the meeting, but I was like kind of choky, like going through it. I was like, honestly, I have to be honest. Like, because his teaching style really wasn't compatible with mine. It was more like Mm -hmm. intimidation type, like, Mm you're going to get this or you're going to fail type. So oh my God. I just, okay. I just didn't, I didn't vibe with it. So I was like, you know, <laughs> I just think that the way the class is going, like, and he knew cause I wasn't doing well. Yeah. So we kind of knew what was going on. I was like, just the way that the class is going and just the way that presentations are being done and how everyone's being fatigued. Like I just, I'm afraid to present. I don't want to participate. I am like, I'm scared to get things wrong, which is not letting me get a lot of things right. Of course. So yeah. he he's just kind of like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm just like, you know, I think that me being unmotivated for school is a problem. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of ended it with like, I don't know what you want to do about that because it's your <laughs> class. But, <laughs> but... You know, and it was like the end of the semester. So I mm. kind of like got my confidence up a little bit towards the end. I, it's a li- it was a little late, but I think if I didn't say anything, I would have been like at a disadvantage. So I figured I might as well just like say how I feel just to of get course. it out there. So he was just like, yeah, you know, like, well, I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> the rest the rest of the class didn't change. It was the same. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, like, fine. So, but at least I said something. So I ended up finishing the semester, just that class. I did not pass that class, but the rest of my classes were phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so it's just that one class. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, which was okay. You know, at the end of the semester, I was 
Ooh, I was tired. I ended up mm. like just falling into my grandma and just crying because I, oh, like, no. I was exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted of one trying to play catch up, two trying to combat what I thought everyone was thinking of me, and then three what my professors wanted from me. Everyone demanding all of my time, and also yeah. fighting myself. Yeah, the most detrimental thing because I was being my own worst enemy. So at the time, I really didn't realize it, but I could change all of that. So yeah. me learning that and like having that power honestly shaped everything I'm doing right now. Yes. So I ended up having to retake both classes, which is fine. <laughs> I think I think it worked out because I was able to see the material again, but also have a different relationship with it, which it was more of a positive relationship. I, I wasn't afraid to like not know something. Mm-hmm. That was like the key to like unlocking like the revelation. Oh, like rainbows (laughs) flying. (laughs) Oh, that was such a key thing because I had to realize that I had so much time to get something wrong, get it wrong again, learn from it and get it right. Hmm. So I think that was the best thing. And also like just learning to show myself some kindness, right? Yes. Oh, that was like the best thing. And it was, it sounds counterintuitive but I learned to schedule breaks. <laughs> oh my God. I still struggle with that, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah, like I just remember like trying to push myself, push myself, push myself, like not taking any breaks, thinking that I was going to get it done. But how much can you do if you're on empty, right? Exactly. Oh, uh, so that was just like, I learned so many things and it really helped that I was back home for the rest of it mm-hmm. because my family was just like, Bria, calm down. <laughs> chill woman exactly like (laughs) calm down everything is gonna be fine and it was different because when I was at school my first semester they'd tell me over the phone like everything's gonna be fine you're gonna be okay and I'm like you don't know what you're talking about but when they're like (laughs) when they're in your face like hey you're gonna be fine then it's like okay I'm I'm gonna be fine (laughs) so honestly I think finishing my last semester of my first year home Mm. was the best thing that could have ever happened because I took all the lessons all the things that I went through and I brought them into my second year and mm. my second year has been amazing <laughs> so far <laughs> it's been so great and I've been able to tackle like so many other things like aside from class yes. so like I've been able to like start writing grant proposals and then I've oh. been able to start like yeah I was, I was like oh I'm doing a lot of things so <laughs> I've been able to like tackle like my main project, but also get a couple other ones. So it's just, it's great. It's, it's good now. We're good now. <laughs> well, um, well, I have a lot of things that I, that I want to ask you yeah. uh, from, from this last uh, answer that you just gave me. Uh, I'll like, the first thing I want to say is that I am, well, I'm like people that are hearing us right now cannot see me, obviously, because this is a podcast and they cannot see me. <laughs> but my eyes are like so open of fascination for everything that you have to say. Like, honestly, let me tell you, like, first of all, I think you are super brave. That's Thank that's you. just for starters. And then honestly, I'm 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 fascinated. I, I could I could ask you like a million questions and, and have this episode of like five hours long, kind of like a series <laughs> of, of Netflix or something. Um so yeah, the first thing I want to say is that you are super brave. 
And like, I hope you, I think you know, but I hope also by saying it out loud in this conversation with me, you, you realize how far you've become right now and how many things you are taking to you, you are taking with you in your personal growth, because I can see, because I've been in similar situations as you, obviously not with the same challenges, but I've been also in situations that I burn myself of work and to exhaustion because it's like yeah I can do it it's my job I have to do it right. and then mm. when you burn out and you are in the deepest 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 level that you could be is when you look at yourself like in a mirror and it's like okay why I have to stand this and kind of yeah. you need to recover because obviously you are at zero but then when you recover you do it again <laughs> And it's it's a loop, right? And then, mm -hmm. like, it, it this is something that I still struggle, uh, showing kindness to myself uh, at my job and, and with the things that I do. Um, so first of all, uh, or second of all, I don't know which point I was <laughs> in, in number, but I think it's so amazing. I think it's so amazing the things that you are saying out loud, that you have these experiences you you wanted to to transfer uh, to 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 like to change these bad habits into good habits because you were conscious about them and you took that those points and then you transformed them into something beautiful which is growth and it might seem really logical but this has taken me years to do as well with my own experiences you know i'm 32 right now i'm starting to get old <laughs> old <laughs> i'm starting i'm starting to get old and sometimes i still struggle to transfer to to yeah to to transform something negative into something beautiful because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of self-awareness to do and you know when you were talking about your your semesters and and the conversation that you had with this teacher even the com even if he didn't change anything which well uh, let, let alone that <laughs> even if he didn't change it just to be vocal about it and say it out loud is to show how much you be you overcome in in those semesters I think also your family helped you and that's I will say having that core support I think it was one of the best things for you and it's amazing that you went back home um I also live by myself and unfortunately I'm in a different country as my family. So I had to uh, stay by myself in my, in my flat during lockdown. Uh, sometimes I was even speaking to my toothbrush, you know, but well, <laughs> what, what, what can we do? You know, it's, it's a okay. pandemic. I got plants. I have oh, a lot of plants. Yeah, it's a pandemic. <laughs> it's a pandemic. Everything is accepted. <laughs> um, but coming back to your, to your personal growth, you know, I think it says, so much about you and and how strong you are and how much of a this is why I also wanted to have you in this interview you know because I want to show this to people I want to share it and I want to inspire uh, girls and young women and, and and all the people really that are listening um, to your story because it's it's an example and it's an amazing example of it doesn't matter what the challenge is you are it and it does and I think the problem or or the the point of the question is not how long does it take you to do but you know this self-awareness this this kindness we all go through different journeys and through different paths but 
the important thing is to take all of this and carry it because it's part of us. And like you said very, very well, it shapes you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the same person that I that I was when I arrived to the UK. And I've been through really bad experiences and through bumps in my in my journey and everything. But I will not change any of that. Even if at the point seemed like it was the end of the world, I will yeah. not change <laughs> them because they shaped me how I am now. And now I think I am in a position that I even enjoy my work even more because you pass those those bumps in, in your journey. Um, so this was one general thing that I wanted to say <laughs> about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. Thank you. <laughs> This Thank is, you so much. <laughs> no, no, this is amazing, and I and I really hope that the people that are listening to this episode are as amazed by by this conversation as I am right right now. Honestly, wow. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I was <laughs> as I was like telling the story, I was like, wow, I am doing a good job. Because if you would yes! have asked me like eight months ago to tell you how like my first year was going, I would have just started crying. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I just think. And it's just so important because, you know, everyone goes into grad school thinking that everyone else has it all together. They're like rocking it out. But, you know, you have your bad days and that's okay. You know, it's okay to be transparent about it. If anyone ever asks me, I'm not going to tell them, oh, it's kittens and rainbows and (laughs) all this. I'm never going to say that because that's not honest. And it's like you have bad days and it's okay. It's okay. Exactly. I think it's really important as well to demystify uh, STEM careers. I think, especially in grad school, there is so much pressure, especially to first year students to get yourself together, be the smartest, be the Mm -hmm. one who works harder. And it's just like so much pressure. Sometimes, unfortunately, that pressure comes from your superiors as well. So this is something that I am aware, you know, uh, if we have these pressure problems is because there is unfortunate examples of um, lecturers and supervisors that they put that pressure on you. Uh, and it's unfortunate that they do that. But sometimes the pressure comes from ourselves. And that's something really key that you said um, earlier in the in the like a bit ago in the in the episode, sometimes we put so much pressure and god i hate when imposter syndrome tackles in honestly oh, i ah i it's hate the it worst, it's <laughs> the worst thing on the world it's the worst it's the oh. worst and it's so important that we talk about it because i think people tend with people with imposter syndrome uh which i include myself on them we tend to think that we are alone, you know, that we are the only ones feeling mm-hmm. that. And we will be surprised by how many people, even with uh, like in, in hierarchy positions, like in high hierarchy positions, they also feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to demystify, demystify that because one of the visions of this podcast is to inspire the next generation of scientists. And like you said, if, if this generation is going to listen to this podcast, I don't want them to, to go th- to navigate throughout these episodes thinking that everything is kittens. I mean, I love kittens, yeah. but <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> but that's not what, what a PhD or academia or an industry world is or a STEM career yeah. is. Uh, but it's so important to demystify that, to, to demystify that with examples like yourself, you know, or other people that I interview in this podcast. Um, 
it's so crucial and so key to 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 be transparent like you said you know mm -hmm. and, and to share these things and especially to have this support uh around you yeah it's, it's a great if i didn't have my family i do not know where i would be <laughs> you know and i think it's also important to find support in different ways like I have an excellent support system with my family, but also I do benefit from a neutral perspective with like therapy. So of course, yeah, yeah, it's not a bad thing, you know. It's it's for everyone. It's you know. I think it's, not, it's uh, yeah, uh, therapy as well. I think it's so important to to shape uh, ourselves as 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 people, you know, and and as humans. And there's still, I mean, men. We are in 2021. We are yeah. still ongoing in the pandemic, and there is still people that are ashamed to say hey I've been through therapy or I've been talking to these people or I've been to counseling because even and I will say one of the most uh, like bad one of the worst things like we were saying before is that we we put that pressure in ourselves as well from the very yeah. beginning you know we have these higher expectations that we have to be so perfect um you know kicking it in our job we we have so mm -hmm. much expectations that is like well if i say that i go to therapy and again imposter syndrome comes back people are gonna think i'm crazy people are right. gonna think that um, i don't belong here and that's folks that's the mission for the title of this podcast we do belong yeah, here said it. <laughs> we do belong here <laughs> oh i love when like people say the title <laughs> yes. in movies tv shows yes Yes. That is the point, guys. Yeah, and it's just it's just a reminder that you are the author of your story. Exactly. So therapy is for you. It should be do everything for you. Just remember mm -hmm. that you have control over everything that happens in your life, whether you feel like you don't, you know? Hmm. Well, it might feel like that at the beginning, you know, like you feel um, you don't have the control, but that's so mm -hmm. important. Um, and I think this also happens a lot in, in science and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it happens a lot, uh, as women, we compare ourselves so much with other people. Oh yeah. And ironically, uh, I don't know if this is good or bad, but we usually compare ourselves with someone that we think it's better than us. Mm -hmm. perhaps because of our own expectations of our own environment and the other person that we are comparing ourselves to and everything is part of the same loop that it's it it's not good for us well for anyone you know so uh, I think this is unfortunately common as well in STEM careers um, and for example when I have students I also try to to pass this on to them because sometimes when we have groups of students, they compare themselves in between them about their performance. Oh, this yeah. this colleague is getting more results than me. And especially on a Tuesday, because we have this milestone of having a thesis, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, my lab mate is getting more results than me, which makes me a bad worker or a bad scientist. And as women, we put so many milestones in our head because we need to be perfect. We need to be great all the time. Um, what do you think uh, about this whole thing? I know it's a very big theme, but. <laughs> I think it's like, as, as you were describing it, I was like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just such a bad habit. And I don't know why it happens, mm. but like you said, there is so many expectations that we set for ourselves and what we feel like we should be doing. And like the picture that we've painted is probably not, you know, the exactly. picture that's going to end up being on the wall, right? So 
oh I feel like ways to combat that I just oh it's so difficult because I literally did that the other day <laughs> I was I was talking to one of my friends and he was like yeah I finally got like good results for my project like things are going really well and in my head I was like oh I don't really have good yields with my project <laughs> right now but I guess good for him but <laughs> Uh, it's such a hard thing and I guess you just have to just keep reminding yourself that like you're on the course you're on for a reason and you know it's gonna play out the way not necessarily the way that you want it to that's okay but it's gonna play out exactly Uh, it's just a really hard thing to like I have to keep reminding myself that you know you're doing all right right yes every day I have to like say okay I did a b and c that's good for me Mm. it's good for me and only me I don't really care about (laughs) anybody else it's good for me so, oh, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to like, it is. it's easy to digest mm. because it happens all the time, Yeah, but it's so difficult to try to think of like how to combat it or mm-hmm. how to like get rid of that feeling that's always like there when someone else is doing really well. Exactly. But I think it's important as well to, to find, like you said, what works for us, you know, if you, even if it's just noting like, I am a huge fan of to-do lists, so I always buy... Oh, great! (laughs) So I always buy, like, a a really nice notebook. It's generally pink with some glitter, you know, (laughs) something tacky. (laughs) But I I do love it, so it's for me. Uh, And then I I put all the tasks that I need to do in one day, and I draw, like, a little square next to the sentence. And then whenever I do it, I I cross it, you know, and it feels so good it's like all right I've done that I feel good then I can go to the next step um so it's important as well to find what what works for you and what um Mm -hmm. you know gets you going day on a daily basis yeah to-do lists are my thing too I have it in like a google doc like (laughs) oh yeah color coded bullet points oh when I like delete a bullet point and like the page goes up and I'm like ah oh, oh. I did it <laughs> see that that's what I say I, I'm, I'm old because I'm in the old school you know I like the pen and paper <laughs> I'm not I don't like the apps I don't like these fancy things I go to my pen and paper stuff because I'm, I'm old but anyway <laughs> um okay so this is well it's been amazing conversation so far uh, but I wanted to ask you something that I think it's going to be really important um, for the for the episode, but also for the entire podcast and for people that listen to us, um, because I think there is something really unfortunate in this journey, which is uh, people of color are underrepresented in especially in, in I think women as well, even more uh, in like high hierarchy positions where if it's industry or academia or other type of a STEM career. Um, and I think it's amazing that you mentioned that, uh, like as part of your day to day, because obviously that's something that happens. And I think it's amazing that you got that support from the very beginning that make you feel included. But, you know, when you were thinking about pursuing an STEM career, did you already have these kind of expectations or, uh, thoughts about the whole uh, inclusivity of people of color in science in front of you? Did you find something that could help you like uh, besides your family or how, how do you see this? Because this is something I also want to inspire um, 
like the next generation, you know, to feel included even before they are accessing that STEM career. And I think with interviews like this with you and with uh, other Women in Science initiative, this is something that we need to work and fight together from our perspective as the older <laughs> generation yeah. because so the next generation already feels prepared aware they feel aware but they feel prepared to to go to that i would say that i guess my first instance of realizing that as you go higher up in education that people of color and women is a little bit scarce happened my sophomore year of undergrad because i did an internship at the university of wisconsin madison so it was a different change from the school i was at is top-notch school, uh, very good um, chemistry program. So as I was there, I did notice that I was only one of two mm. people of color in yes. the program. And as I was like, you know, seeing labs, seeing different like PIs and their groups, it was still the same thing. There was maybe like maybe one person that I saw. Mm. So I remember after finishing the program, I came back to my advisor back at Lincoln and he's been in the chemistry industry for a long time like he's a person of color as well his name is dr langley he's great <laughs> um he had told me because i told him i was like you know there really wasn't a lot of you know people that look like us over there he was <laughs> like, <laughs> so he kind of like sat me down a little bit and he was like you know i've been in this industry for a little while and i'm gonna tell you that as you go higher up you're gonna see less and less of people that look like us so you mm. just need to be a little bit prepared because he knew that I wanted to apply to like really big schools in graduate school and I wanted to like mm. go so many places. So he was like, you have to be strong and you have to really just hone in on what you bring to the table. Mm. So I was like, okay. So as like, I remember him saying that me going to graduate school, but then like, of course I kind of forgot it, you know, as things <laughs> kind of progressed yeah. in my first year. But what I was able to do was I was one of, I was one of three people of color, but then also one of five um, mm -hmm. Hispanic students. Mm -hmm. So I was able to like have both. <laughs> yes. Like, do, <laughs> I was able to like be secure in both. Yeah. So, um, so I, I was able to form a sense of community. So I think that's one thing that was really important that helped me along was actually having like a few friends or a couple people that I would see from day to day that would like we just connected in a way that I couldn't really connect with, you know, non-people of color, just, you know, from a cultural aspect. Yeah. So that was really good. And then I also started joining organizations. So I, I had started a chapter for the Society of Advancement of Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans in Science oh. at Lincoln. So going to Delaware, I wanted to find the chapter. So I was like, oh. everybody. So so I found the chapter and I joined. And then I also joined No Bechet which is, I'm going to get this acronym wrong, but it's like <laughs> National Organization for Chemists, and, no, for Black Chemists and Chemical Engineers. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me, guys, if I got it wrong, <laughs> forgive me. But <laughs> um, so I ended up joining that too. So that was more people that, you know, were pretty much like me, that we had the same experiences. And we could also like share each other's stories, learn from them, because there was a lot of people in those groups that were more higher up than me mm -hmm. like fifth years third years so I learned a lot from them and like you know the way the lay of the land of Delaware yeah and, you know how things work so me finding that sense of community was just honestly it was very helpful mm -hmm. because 
you know, when you're doing all this and at the same time, like it's so much work and you're dealing with like the imposter syndrome and it's like, where are all the people that look like me? You find mm. like a sense of, you know, this is doable. She can do it. He can do it. Like I can do it too. Yeah. And we can do it together. Exactly. So, which is really great. And I've also like developed like kind of like a mentor relationship with, there's only, there's a couple, but one closely related in the analytical division um, is a professor that's like she's a person of color and we get along very well so mm. she's even on my committee like I always have someone in my corner but I would say like try to form a sense of community and if you can't try to keep you know the community that you do have and just talk to them like exactly. I remember before I met everyone I would talk to my family I'd talk to my friends back home and they probably didn't know what I was talking about if I was talking about <laughs> science <laughs> yeah. but it was just communicating with someone like mm. hey I'm uncomfortable if you say like I'm uncomfortable you become less uncomfortable so exactly <laughs> just by by saying like, it you know yeah it's like something that you kind of don't get used to you learn to adapt and maneuver around it but still like you know day to day in the back of your head it's like geez I wish there were more people mm. here yes. you know, I wish it was a little bit more diverse so it's like uh, it's a tough pill to swallow but at the mm. same time you never fully swallow it so yeah you, it's like a work in progress still which is kind of like a little frustrating but yeah you know you find ways to like work through it and also improve it too like reaching out to other people you mm. know discussing science with younger people and younger students just you know just put it in their minds that like hey I'm doing this it's possible mm. Why why do you think this happens? Do you think this uh, this happens because for starters the system is perhaps not as inclusive as you wish and that literally to some people I mean you I think you are doing an amazing example and you are setting up um you know a, a perfect example of what it is to enter this this academic uh, or teaching world joining those associations that you were mentioning i think it's a key step to teach others your journey how to overcome it and how to success and and kick ass at it i think you are doing an amazing example so i think that's one of the most important lessons here um to teach with your experience but why do you think this is happening do you think uh people of color literally just um already see from the outside that uh, it's less inclusive they see less examples and that brings them back uh, without perhaps trying it from the starters as particularly in science with all these expectations that we were mentioning before in the episode you think is something related to this yeah i would say that's definitely a big part of it is like seeing the field and seeing like wow, there's not a lot of people that look like me, like, yeah. in that field, so it's kind of, like, honestly, it's a little, like, I can see how it would be off-putting, mm -hmm. and it would be hard to form the idea that, hey, I can do that, but there's not a lot of people that have done that, that are like me, yeah. so mm -hmm. it's like, is that something I can do? So I can really understand why people have that mindset. Yeah. Um, as for other reasons, um, I'm not sure. I feel like this has been, like, the longest ongoing problem oh for, yeah like honestly just for forever so, forever yes oh uh, yeah it's yeah that's it a, is it is unfortunate <laughs> it's <laughs> it is unfortunate really because uh 
uh, one of my my career aims is is to be uh, a pers- like a, a principal investigator. You know, I want to be a group leader. And when I when I think about my future group, I just don't see, you know, I don't see any distinctions in between people. I just want an inclusive group that everyone feels welcome and that everyone already comes to my group thinking and knowing that they are going to succeed because I that what what we care about you know is is the science and and the scientific community and your personal growth and your well-being rather than being already stopped by society expectations. Yeah I think I think that's definitely it too and I think that a very important thing is like when you have like these predominantly non people of color groups that you know like kind of have the stance of hey like I don't see color so if you're just a student I'll take you mm-hmm. but I think that's a little problematic I think that it is yeah say, I think that they should say hey like I see you I see your color but in spite of that I see what you can do of and course. I see your potential as a person mm-hmm. so you know join my group so exactly. I think that I think it's just the standard mindsets that people adopt these days and like to have, I want to make a difference and Mm -hmm. I know who can make that difference. I want different opinions. I want different like types of thinking and different people have that. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just the, I think it's just, it needs to be adopted that in spite of the differences. Exactly. Come together. Exactly. Uh, do you think this also happens uh, when you are a woman? Uh, you know, this this podcast is about women in STEM and you are giving a perfect example of, of you know, a successful, uh, both at personal and, and science level. Uh, so what do you think, you know, about the whole uh, woman in STEM uh, movement, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think, which also leads me to another story. Um, oh, go for it. Yes, why one more story? <laughs> So also when I was at Wisconsin, the group that I was in had all men, but one woman. Mm-hmm. And she was, I think she was a fourth year, third or fourth year. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that every single time they had group meeting and she was offering her opinion, she would say, this is crazy, but, or I know this is like kind of out of focus, but, but then she would deliver a very practical suggestion. So I was like, why is she doing that? Everything she's saying is not crazy. Like no one else is saying that their opinions are crazy. So why is she doing that? So I never like unpacked it with her because she wasn't my mentor, but I kind of like took it as she's the only woman. So she's trying to like, I guess, play it safe and make sure that her opinions are either justified or taken fully. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, you know, if I was her, I would just, you just kind of own the room. Yeah. I would say, I, cause you know, I just feel like the stereotypes of, you know, like women in general, like we think far, like far to the left or we're just like irrational or it's mm-hmm. our time of the month or like that or like, I hate if that. We're forced, <laughs> yeah. If we're forceful, we're like, we have a responsibility for ourselves and we also have a responsibility for other women to just walk into a room and know that we're supposed to be there. Exactly. So I think that that's just, I think that's the key there is mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. we belong here. We okay? belong, mates. We belong here. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's so important and so inspirational and also like hashtag goals for what you just said. Like, <laughs> I think we need to own it, mates. Like, I think we need to 
you know, walk into the room, walk in the meetings, start our presentations, like we own it. We, we are here as anyone else. We are uh, giving examples of different uh, stories, different careers, and we are rocking it. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely are. And I think it's also important that, you know, like woman to woman and also like person of color to person of color, like yes. we're doing it and we're we're doing it well. And we can do it well. Even exactly. if we have a bad day, we're here. We're not going anywhere. No, so. no, no, no. We are here to stay. <laughs> so you need to just let other women, other people of color know that like we're here and it's going to get done because yeah. we're here doing exactly. it, right? Who exactly. else is going to do it if we don't watch? <laughs> <laughs> and also to, to, we are doing it, but we are doing it together, right? Mm -hmm. We are fighting together. Like you say, from woman to woman or person of color to person of color, we are doing it together. We are supporting each other. And that brings me as well to, uh, to one of the points that you raised earlier in your, in your answers, like showing kindness as well mm -hmm. to people. You know, I think sometimes we get so involved into our own things and we have our, our own expectations, our own thoughts, our own imposter syndromes and blah, blah, blah all together. But I think sometimes, and this is something I try to practice a lot uh, with everyone that is surrounding me in my environment is to be kind because it's not that big effort. And I don't do it, honestly, because it's an effort. I do it because it's my personality. But I mm -hmm. want also other people around me to feel good, you know, to feel included, to feel respected and to feel happy because you feel happy because you are doing that with someone else. But at the same time, that person feels happy for the input that you are putting on them. So it all becomes part of the same inspirational circle, if that's even a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> No, I love that you said that because I noticed that like if you look at like some PIs that I've seen higher up or even like scientists in general, they're a little disconnected socially. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that you wanted to make other people feel good because I feel as though, you know, science is supposed to be objective, but mm -hmm. there, there is a subjective aspect where we're passionate about our research and it becomes a part of us. Mm -hmm. So to have a positive aspect with that and want other people to feel that positive aspect is so admirable. So I'm so happy you said that. I was like, oh yes, she yeah. knows what I'm talking about. Oh yes, <laughs> honestly, it's so, and it's it becomes so beautiful when you find someone else that is trying to do the same as you, because then it's like, oh, I can, you know, fight with you together, but I can also yeah. go to you when I have a bad day and when I feel miserable and when I feel that it's not worth fighting anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it's so important. Um, so I honestly, I feel you are my best friend now and I hope you feel the same. <laughs> before, before the podcast, I was like, yep, I have a new friend and she lives in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk to her on Saturday. Like I was with my family. I was like, yep. My new friend. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, we are best friends now. So I'm going to, I'm going to email <laughs> you or text you whenever this is happening, because it's so important, you know, um, and this is something so good that I'm taking from this interview as well. I'm learning so much from you and I like you are also setting an example to me and I'm pretty sure like even next week, you know, in, in, in my workplace, I'm going to take this 
lessons that you just gave me and I'm and I'm even gonna try to to improve um more stuff about myself from from now on uh and I and I hope this happens as well with the people that are listening to you because honestly goals (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you um I definitely do still have my bad days but yeah yeah you just gotta like try to have some positivity with it you know exactly exactly um so I'm gonna grasp this positivity uh concept that you two said and I'm gonna ask you uh one last question for this episode uh which is if you like I want to inspire the next generation of scientists right however they look like whatever they come from, I don't care. What I care is about the person and I want to inspire them uh, to go into STEM careers, uh, especially as, as little girls and young women. So if you had them in front of you right now and they were looking at you with the eyes open, like I am looking at you with my eyes open, like, oh my God, Bria is telling me all these amazing things. Um, what would you tell them to inspire them? Uh, I would probably, okay, I'm going to use an analogy. Yeah. So I would tell them that a career in STEM and even graduate school and even undergrad, because some people don't think about that either. Mm -hmm. um, It will take a lot of work. So let's say you're in a pool and it's pretty deep. Yeah. So it's deep. You may be a little scared, but you just have to know that as you're treading water, your muscles are going to grow. (laughs) You're going to keep your head above the water. Yes. And it's going to be fine. You're going to have friends and allies that are going to throw you pool noodles. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to throw you pool noodles. They're going to hold you up when you take a break. So it's, it's doable. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Yes. Well, this is um, this is so good uh, advice, honestly, and really good analogy, honestly. I was imagining all of that since, like, at the same time you were talking about it. Um, <laughs> so it's really good advice. It's really good analogy. Um, I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I have because I've learned so much from you. You are so inspirational. Uh, you are so adorable. Uh, honestly, this is <laughs> ah, this is amazing. <laughs> No, thank you so much. I was so excited to do this. I was excited to like, of course, talk to you and like share everything I've gone through. And I just think that this podcast in general is a beautiful thing. And I am so honored to be a part of it. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) No, no, this is amazing. Uh, And I hope uh, the people that are listening to us are as fascinated as I am right now. And I think I just have to thank you a million times for for being here and for teaching us all these uh amazing things and and listen to your to your journey so thank you so much uh for for sharing this and and for being here really thank you for having me Olivia. Yeah, I don't understand it, and you talk and feel 